Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this, talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Oh, Tony, baby. You're a mess. Uh? Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin. (laughs) Extremely online, extremely clueless, horny for Bitcoin. Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American tornado and the real princess of Wales. We are back. Molly McAleer and Tiffany Maddox. Welcome back to Trend Lately, everyone. I'm Molly McAleer. I am in bed, and I am with my co-host, <laughs> Tiffany Scott Maddox. How are you, honey? I'm very well. I'm feeling very hyped. I'm having a good time. I've got a glass of wine. I feel good to go. I feel juiced. Do you feel juiced? Do you feel reinvigorated? Am I helping I the hangover? I'm definitely soaking. I don't know if, anyone, <laughs> if anyone's heard that my city has been under extreme weather conditions. My city is... England is my city. <laughs> But also, Los Angeles is completely swamped right now. It's like the rain has been crazy. We're having a, a nice little break from that in this moment. But yeah, I'm pumped. We've been we've been doing a little pre-time. Tiffany has set up something wonderful that I wouldn't even know how to begin how to do this. But she bought a fight, the fight, the uh, Jake Paul, what's his name, honey, Tommy Fury thing? Yes. And... I almost called him Tyson Fury. Who the hell's that? That's his much more accomplished heavyweight champion of the world, brother. Oh, so okay, I didn't make that up. Yeah, so they're <laughs> gonna fight. Like they're gonna. They're today's the big boxing match, and Tiffany and I, you know, we love these matches. We do love these matches. So Tiffany's figured out a way to pay per view, then put it on a application. We won't say what in Minecraft, of course, and is now <laughs> streaming it to me. And so we're going to be watching this fight and also recording our podcast probably at the same time. Yeah, listen, we're multitaskers. What can I say? It's a little live action in today's episode as well. Tiff, what's going on, babe? Like, do you have any news for the show? Kind of. Well, I wouldn't. Okay, I've got this is not something we normally do, but I've got uh, I've got three things. One. (laughs) (laughs) There's three people. Okay, so one. So I found out that my husband's cousin, Luck, listens to the podcast every week. And by uh, accident? No, no, on purpose. And apparently oh, no way. He, he's down for it. So like, hi, Luck. But I was I was talking to Billy about it. And apparently every time Billy's name's mentioned, he gets a phone call <laughs> from his cousin. <laughs> he was like, they were talking about you on the podcast again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like he's telling like he's, like he's telling, telling me. Yeah, we should talk him. Yeah. We should start like kind of like subtweeting Billy in the podcast more, like seeing really personal. <laughs> See if you can um ask like personal family members' names or whatever, and then we can sub him. Like in the thing, we'll be like, oh well, it's not like you know, you're not some bitch named Linda or whatever. And then like that's like the cousin's 
mom's name. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. start doing that. Let's yeah. start subbing the cousin. And then I'll gaslight him about it. I'll be like, what yeah, and be like, about? no, you're fucking crazy. You're yeah. <laughs> but I want to know what happens if Luck hears his own name in the podcast. So this is, I'm just putting this in the universe because I want to experiment. What if we break this man? <laughs> I don't know. I think you might like it. I think you might like it. Okay, good. My other thing is our friend Krista had her gallbladder taken out this week. She did. And uh, as a former gallbladder haver, but now gallbladder <laughs> non-haver, I want to say shout out, peace and love, much respect. Life is about to get so much better, but you may almost shit yourself when you're out in public. I'm just, but it'll be fine. It'll totally be fine. And for anyone else who doesn't have a gallbladder, let us know. I went, how often do you shit yourself? You know, that's the thing is that I did say to her, I was like, because that was like something that I was afraid to approach with you because I saw someone else talking about it. And I was like, they said that they shit themselves 24 seven because they don't have a gallbladder or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, should I ask Tiffany if that's true? But I also didn't know if we were like friends like that. Like if I could ask, it's like that's even fair to ask someone so but i did warn krista i was like you know yeah because i said i she has a really great boyfriend now and i said like i feel like he'd be cool if you shot yourself you know <laughs> that's the test yeah i think that that's gonna be good would you must have done something demented with your gallbladder what do you mean like what did i like, i feel like you kept it and like cast it in stone or something you know what i mean like, i feel like you did <laughs> i would have loved to like i genuinely would have loved to but i think it's a biohazard so they wouldn't have let me I would have loved to have kept some of the little stones in a in like a cute little something, but no, I didn't. I don't have it. I don't. The only mm, no, I've got a couple of like casts of my body. I have a little foot cast of when I like broke my leg when I was a baby in a in a shoebox somewhere. But th those are all all my medical things or my medical pieces. Do you know a friend of mine gave me her wisdom teeth once as a gift? I didn't know that, but I, that's a really nice present. Yeah, I think, and she was going away. She was like going away to go and like work and live in Australia, and I and and <laughs> and this was like years ago. And I said, "Oh, um, you know, I know you love reading, and obviously, like, you're not gonna have loads of loads of space because you're traveling." So I bought her a Kindle, and she was like, "Oh my god, that's so kind!" And then she gave me like a tooth. Oh, that's a great. See, that's a great gift. <laughs> and uh, by the way, fuck you to my ex boyfriend too. I got a really nice cast of my my um mouth done this is not my not my ex-boyfriend i often speak about this is the one that i never speak about but i got a cast done in my mouth or whatever for i don't know some sort of dental thing and they sent me my teeth like ceramic and i gave them to him and he was like oh thanks like he was like almost he wasn't into it <laughs> and i was like this to me is the most romantic gift you could possibly give someone this is like my teeth and ceramics like so i actually think that's quite a romantic gift from your friend yeah very intimate very very intimate and what was my third thing oh so when i was in cancun i met this person in the pool where i also met some white supremacists she is not a white supremacist but it was my friend emily's birthday and she is also the most like brilliant loyal listener to the pod she messages me usually on a tuesday or a wednesday she listens to on her walk to work and she's like and and then we have good conversations about stuff that I completely forget that we talk about when it's you and I on a Sunday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Emily. I know, right? Like, well, I the discourse out, just discourses. Yeah, yeah, the discourse just discourses 24-7 and I can never remember 
if like the person I'm speaking to, I've already had this exact same conversation about the discourse. Right. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you see that whole fighting with your friends is gay thing this week? No. That wasn't really what the headline, but it was the takeaway for a lot of people. A lot of there was a kind of a viral thread about like if you had a like catastrophic like blow up with one of your friends in your 20s like what was it about like and it was about like women based friendships and like 90 percent of the people were like fighting with your friends is like gay like you want you're, <laughs> like like one of you is like you're secretly queer and i'm like no i think i was just like 24 and like treacherously like underdeveloped you know what i mean mm-hmm but I do like that pitch. You know, it's a little bit of a Rorschach test, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, maybe it's gay for you, but I don't know. Like, it just was interesting. <laughs> yeah. How was your week? Tell me about it. Well, I'm good. I have a pigeon girl sitting on me. She's purring very loudly. So if you hear that, that's what that is. It was good. I just did my things, you know, all the things I have to do. Yeah, I just did the things I have to do all week. And... There was nothing really super remarkable about it. I do have a Cadbury cream egg in my purse. Mm. Been doing some like rain stuff. Like definitely, there's definitely a couple leaks in my roof. Mm. And I've been moving around some bowls. You know what I mean? Mm. So, But I have to get that like, I mean, we're at a place where I might have to introduce flood insurance, you know, like the, so like that's been a thing. I just get nervous around the rain, you know, I don't love that. I get very nervous. And then I don't know. I don't know. It's been seven days but i'm not really sure what happened i went to Schwartz and sandy's last night which is for those of you who watch vanderpump rules you know that the guys who tom Schwartz and tom sandoval have opened up a new location that is not attached to the lisa vanderpump restaurants and dude it is a great it's location 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 baby like i gotta say hats off to them like it is a little bit you know we're we are talking about a 14 dollar cocktail mm-hmm. right like it's something like that in the mix but like you know like it's in a it's in a strip mall that's like adjacent in like beachwood canyon so it's like near like ucb or like i don't know if ucb is still going on there but i think it is but it's near ucb and like there's really only been like two places to eat or drink along that strip like you know sometimes a, another place will pop up or whatever but it's like if you really want to go out for drinks at night there's really only been two places consistently on that street and now they've opened up a third which is like next to like a bougie dog groomer and you know all this other stuff but it's it's a great location it's a great location it's across the street from like really an all-time grocery store in los angeles the gelson's in a beachwood canyon and i was very impressed i was very happy for them their selfie mirror is like something i think they worked really hard on the bathroom mirror and it was great i I took a selfie i love a good bathroom mirror selfie yeah i think they like you know they were like tuned into that i haven't watched the show in quite some time but i was proud of them my friend ronnie was in town and yeah we just got drinks last night and he's you know ronnie's a big bravo podcaster so it was like nice it was like cute like he was laughing he's like i really didn't mean to do this because people kept coming up during dinner and being like hi you know like i'm such a big fan and he's like i know that this seems like obscene you know that like i literally am a bravo podcaster (laughs) at this place and all these people keep coming up But it was nice because, like, I'm just so happy for his success, you know? Like, I've been been a friend of Ronnie's for years now, and 
Yeah, it was kind of sad. Like, you know, he did say something. He's like, you know, it's been like years since we've seen each other. And I'm like, but if it wasn't a pandemic, it wouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So I do feel like I was like kind of like, oh, shit, I guess it has been years. But they weren't like, <laughs> to be clear, they weren't years I was living. <laughs> well, I do think there's like a, a certain amount of uh, arrested development because there are people that I haven't seen since the pandy. And like. <laughs> and then I sort of feel like it would be totally fine. Like it wouldn't feel like time lost because it feels like time hasn't really passed, but also it feels like 400 years have passed. So it's like, it's one of those, it's one of those things like I'm not, I'm just, I don't count those years. Yeah, I don't either. And I'm not very good at telling people, like, I'm not very good at telling people what's going on with me. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if someone asked me, when people ask me, like, what's been going on with you? Like, I don't fucking know. No, I know. It's the worst Why question. would I know that? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Like, I fucking, uh, you know, like, I'm, I've been watching some TikToks and, like, I, <laughs> you know, just keep doing work and see my friends. Like, I don't know. But, like, I'm just not, I don't know. I'm not as engaged, I feel. No. With society. Like, I've been... Sometimes I'll just watch things like, like today, like some viral moment is going, some moment is going viral because of like women's college bas basketball. And I'm like, I feel so disconnected from society. Like I can't even register it as something that I'm just not interested in. So therefore I wouldn't know about it. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm just sort of like, oh, I don't, I don't relate to this earth. You know what I mean? Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Also, I think it's like such a broad brush strokes question because I feel like if you were to I mean whenever somebody asks me like how have you been like and it, it's not just like a it's it's not like a time boxed question it's like more of a general like oh hey what have you been up to like someone I've spoken to I'm just like I don't fucking I have no idea I have yeah. genuinely no idea because I'm like if something significant would have happened and I'm always like are you asking for significant things I mean what are the big three it's like relationships career uh, death <laughs> like birth and death but I'm like well still work for myself still married to my husband not having a baby anytime soon and nobody's died so like uh, w like what else I've got to like try and pull out some other kind of bullshit and then it and it gives me like it gives me great panic when someone's like what have you been up to and I'm I, like it actually infuriates me as a question because I think it's not an interesting question Right. Like, what are you going to say that's really like, I'll tell you. You know what I mean? Like, I'll tell you how I've been. Yeah. Like, if there's something noteworthy, like, I will tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I promise totally. you. Yeah, you, you would have like, heard about it. Definitely. In terms of the general, like, I don't really know. Like, I kind of just like blast cigs, stare at screens, <laughs> do my work, go to bed. <laughs> yeah. and that's about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sometimes I buy stuff and that's about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like to go to CVS. <laughs> but that's about it i'm trying to buy less beauty products that's one thing so i have this little like spot of me that looks like eczema or something and it's been getting like inflamed and like worse sometimes like i think it's just because if anytime i change from my very boring routine even slightly i just my skin just is like freak freaks out now. Like mm -hmm. something happened, my skin turned a corner, right? And so, you know, I have to start, I'm going to start trying to just use everything I have. 
instead of buying new stuff, but it's so hard. Oh my There's God. always some new shit to be on. You know what I mean? Oh my God, absolutely. I, I'm funnily enough in exactly the same space as you because not only do I, do I buy basically whatever I've been influenced into buying, usually from like a 12 year old on TikTok, but I've just been through a period where I've been, <laughs> I've been given by my own money. I've been given a bunch of stuff. No, but I've got a, a bunch of stuff to try. A lot of stuff, you know, I had two advent calendars this year. <laughs> so I've got right. like a shitload of products to try. And then I've got, I bought this, I bought this perfume that was like eye-wateringly expensive. And because I'd like spent over a certain amount at Harvey Nichols, they had this thing where you would get like this like best in beauty bag. And it was basically like a bag of like premium, large, like, you know, products and samples. So I've got bags of the shit, bags of the shit that is unopened, that is like never, ever been touched that I have like full intent of trying and like anything I know that, you know, it's not going to agree with me. I'm just going to, I'm going to re-gift, but, and I just, I need to fucking get through it. I need to get through it. I have currently, I remember I bought like two setting sprays on, cause there was like, you know, it was like a deal, like the Charlotte Tilbury thing. They're sat there basically unused because I have four other setting sprays that are just sat in right. my, like on my, it's ridiculous. And hit, and the ironic thing is I wear makeup maybe three times a month yeah no that's that's the thing right is that like i have hopes for someone i'm not yes where i'm like oh like i'm gonna get this like you know this like liquid highlighter and it's like molly you don't fucking wear makeup (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you don't wear makeup you don't like to go places like you go out like three times a month and you're already overwhelmed by it like I mean, like, I go places, but, like, I'll go hang out with friends, but, like, I'm not, like, going anywhere where it's, like, I have to be in front of people in more than three times a month. I don't like it. Like, I don't like being in a group, you know? Yeah, same. I started beta blockers, I tell you that. No. Yeah, so I was like, this is, like, probably, no, you guys can know. I don't care if you're, if Billy's cousin knows this or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to put everything through that lens in the future. And I hope you this do This is too. for Billy's cousin. We record this show for Billy's cousin. We <laughs> actually don't care if you guys, I know we say we care about you and we love you all the time. We don't mean that. We. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. No, just kidding, you guys. I'm kidding. But this is a show for Billy's cousin. We should just rename the show his name. Yeah. Lucky luck. Where are you? <laughs> just call it that. that that'll scare him that'll spook him real hard <laughs> but no like you know i i started taking beta blockers for like when i have to be in situations where normally i feel like my anxiety keeps me like vibrating a little bit above the room in an unhealthy way yeah so i basically like you know when i was younger i probably would have taken a little like quarter of a zan to sort of like battle through that extreme social anxiety i have but I had this realization. I was like, I think my body's just like freaking out. And like, I do know like cognitively that that I'm having an outsized reaction to something. And like, there's it's like I know all the things about like, you know, no one's really thinking about you. Like, I know all of the, the you know, you're fine how you are, like whatever. I know all of that intellectually. But I do struggle with like, you know, sometimes being in like a group of people, it just makes me nervous because it's really important to me that like I leave every situation I can with the other person feeling good about themselves and feeling good about me. 
Like I want people, I want to, I always want it to be like a value added interaction. Don't write me a letter. I'm just going to tell you that. But like, like this, so like, I just am like, you know, I'm thinking that and I think that it makes me very anxious and I act unnaturally and it maybe comes off as like insincere or if I'm going to be honest, maybe a little psychotic. And so I just thought like, what if I, I said, what if I like bring up the idea of, of beta blockers to my therapist because I have friends who take them for like before they like pitch shows or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, like any sort of situation where you're just like kind of sick to your stomach going in or a little you're lacking that ease, you know. So he was like, yeah, we we can try that. And I've taken them a few times, like, you know, when I've had to go into things that would normally be very anxious, anxiety ridden for me. And um, they're working. So I kind of like that. I was like, hot take, Molly, because I'm, you know, I'm older now. I can't be taking a fucking Xanax, you know, before I go to a party. Like, I don't, I barely have energy anyway. Like, right. So, yeah, beta blockers, we're doing beta blockers in 2023. I've heard great things about them, though. I remember, like, I've heard them recommended for stuff like doing, you know, on stage talks or whatever. And it is, it is that physical sensation of anxiety that runs through the body that's really difficult. And once you, even if you are sort of cognitively aware of what's happening, once you spot the physical signs, it's re- like there's nothing you can really do about it. So, you know, when the mouth starts drying up and the hands start sweating and, and shaking, it makes you even more anxious. And yeah, I'd, I've heard from people who would take them if they were doing like, yeah, like a big talk or, um, you know, a big pitch or whatever it was and said it was a game changer. Yeah, I. that's exactly like what it it's the physical anxiety the physical effects of anxiety that I cannot override with like my mental Mm -hmm. that's a good way of putting it you're right and that's exactly yes like if I give a TED talk those would be great like I'd really enjoy that but yeah like it's just that thing where it's like I find myself almost acting outside of myself and like accidentally like leaving the opposite impression which is that I'm so consumed with like not in a false way, but I think like, you know, I mean, when I think about my impact on the world, I don't want someone to be like, wow, what a fuckhead, you know? Right. So yeah, I'm just trying to be, you know, I'm just trying to be nice, you know, and not, I'm not trying to freak anyone out. But yeah, so yeah, that's, I'm on to the beta blockers. Did you have a third thing that I forgot about? No, those were the three, Chris's gallbladder, <laughs> Emily's birthday, and we make this show for lucky luck. That's it. Those are the three things. Shout out. Okay, and Tev, for all of you. So <laughs> should we do our first? Oh, yeah. And also our listeners who, by the way, you guys, I was fucking kidding when I said that we don't care about you. That <laughs> no, was just really for do. the, uh, that was just to sell the joke. I literally, t- I hope you know, <laughs> please don't send the DM. I didn't mean it like that. Okay. I, I really want you to know. I didn't mean it like that. So, Tev, you know how like Karens are always in the news? Oh, yeah. So I did see this and I just wanted to include it because we never get really like the full follow up on Karen's, you know, like we'll see the meltdown. Sometimes we'll find out someone was fired. But I'm like, I want to go further than that. I want to know like how how this is actually impacting someone's life. Like, I think people just really like, you know, they like wipe their hands off and just like sort of walk away from these things being like well, she's fired. You know what I mean? And I'm like, no, I really want to go. I want to know more, right? Like, what's the destruction looking like in her life? Well, this girl, Sophia Rosing, who's a, who's a senior at University of Kentucky, 
she went on this like tirade that went super viral and homie like it, she's it's going to a grand jury now and she faces 10 to 13 years in prison yeah or the one of the tweets that talked about it said that like she's facing this time for basically like assaulting a security guard at her school and saying the n-word and i just want to remind people that you cannot be arrested for saying the n-word no that itself no. is not the crime unfortunately but she should be arrested for that but you can't so i think sometimes people forget that right like that's a, a little bit how these karen things happen like a lot of it's not illegal it's just deplorable right i think where you know she really fucked up is that I think she also assaulted the police officer because she was taken away in cuffs. She um, bit him and spit on him. Yeah, which is a federal crime. Yeah. <laughs> and the the fact that she was using racial slurs kind of contextualizes this as a hate crime, which then carries yeah. greater weight. So it's not the it's not that the language is illegal. It's just that like that when you frame the rest of the crimes underneath that umbrella, suddenly the penalties get greater. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, like, the chick that she attacked, like, is probably the most graceful person I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, I can't fight. Like, I'd love to be like, I'd have beaten her ass. Like, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have beaten her ass. I probably would have handled it somewhat similarly. But yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I understand people's I understand. I understand how that could, you know, gone a lot of different ways. And it was the girl who was being attacked that She's like a student. She's like an RA, dude. Wait, Pigeon, get off of... Stop. Get, stop. Pigeon's like dance tap dancing on me because I didn't stay at home last night. And so I do kind of feel I deserve it. But sorry, she's <laughs> tippy. She's tippy tapping on me. Sorry if you guys are going to hear that. Yeah. So I just I do like a I do like to close the loop on a Karen. And we're not completely closed looped here, but yeah, like we should. Where's the where's the follow ups on the Karens? Like that should be a that should be a like you know all the January six boys. Oh yeah, but there's that great Reddit, isn't there, called Capital Consequences? Yes, which is kind of tracking every. And at first, it, what it was supposed to do is kind of crowdsource the identity of a lot of the people that were there to be able to kind of yeah identify people and and give that information over to law enforcement. And now what it's become is a way of like tracking what's happened to each of those yeah. people that has been involved in it. Such it's it's there's something neat about the closing of that loop a little bit. And so like that's I like, you know, just even this morning I was seeing one of the, you know, I call them January six boys, I guess. I was just seeing one of them or I guess, you know, seditious <laughs> fucking <laughs> traitors. I don't know what you call them. But but yeah, so I was seeing one just this morning, a follow up, and I was thinking to myself, God, you know, like it would be just great if we could have like a little update on all the Karens. Like, where's all the big Karens from quarantine? Mm. Oh, there's something I really want to share. And I wonder if I can put it on, I can put it in our bonus links. But there's this really funny series of videos I found on TikTok where this young woman, she has a vendetta against a teacher in her, in her primary school from like, you know, way back when by the name of Carol White who accused her of, I think she accused her of reading ahead or or whatever it was, or reading too sure. fast. And she's like, for my whole life, this has held me back. Like, Carol White, it's on. It's on site. And then she basically did this, like, three-parter of, like, everybody needs to help me find Carol White. The follow-up, she's like, where are, like, where are people? Where's Carol? Like, no one's coming and, and telling me about Carol White. I'm hearing stories that other people have been victimized by this woman. 
And she just posted a conclusion, I think it was the day before yesterday, where she looks back through her school, her school reports and like her and everything. And it turns out that the woman's name was Carol Wright. So she'd been going after this other woman. <laughs> and so that's why she couldn't find her. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that might be her blessing in disguise. Guys, we're taking a quick break to just watch this fight. We're going to put it on our Patreon. So when you hear us, it'll be two hours from now. And... <laughs> As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
we'll just be catching up. We just watched a, an invigorating fight. If you feel a little like change up in the vibes from me talking about my beta blockers, it's because I <laughs> just got off the tail end of a thrilling situation. This show is brought to you by Storyblocks. Whether you want to jazz up things on your TikTok and IG stories with a unique font, need beautiful stock footage to beef up a video presentation, or keep people's attention during a YouTube video, Storyblocks is the answer to your needs. Storyblocks is a subscription service that provides an unlimited selection of quality royalty-free content that will make your work exceptional. HD and 4K footage, music, sound effects, and templates are all at the tip of your fingers. So if I needed an HD quality video of a woman eating a salad or background music that isn't like the same background music you hear over and over again on social or YouTube, I'd simply type that into Storyblocks and bam, it's right there when I need it. With monthly or annual plans, the prices on Storyblocks are predictable, meaning that none of that a la carte stuff you run into on royalty-free sites exists. All of the content on Storyblocks has clear-cut licensing and coverage, meaning that there's no royalties or legal jargon to sit through. Enhance the quality of your editing in the easiest way possible in your favorite editing program with pre-made motion graphic templates. There's a Premiere Pro plugin that that you just it goes into Premiere Pro itself so you don't have to bounce between Premiere and the website. I'm going to get that line one of these days. Start making more dynamic contents with Storyblocks. Learn more about Storyblocks by going to storyblocks.com slash lightly or clicking the link in our description. That's storyblocks.com slash lightly. Welcome back, guys. Tiffany, what's so crazy is that the story that I have next in the document is literally the front page story on the dailymail.com. Oh, right is now. it really? Yes, because I was reading the Jake Paul updates and then I clicked on, you know, the header to just like refresh and see what was up. So Brian Koberger could be facing a firing squad if he's convicted of the Idaho murders thanks to new bill represent introduced by local lawmaker. So here's the deal. Tiff, I got to ask you first and foremost, mm -hmm. if you were to do, if you were to get the DP, <laughs> would you pick, <laughs> yeah, it stands for a lot of things in my house, like Dr. Phil also, like, <laughs> but if you were to get the DP, which uh -huh. method would you choose? So there's like firing squads only legal in two states now. There's also lethal injection and there's also the electric chair so i used to say lethal injection the worst one but it's there there it's it's actually a it's actually very bad <laughs> for for a, a multitude of reasons i think the main one is the um there was like a midazolam shortage which is i believe a, a drug that causes paralysis that mm -hmm. essentially stops your heart from 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 working but when administered can feel like all of your veins are essentially on fire and midazolam is used as well i believe in a clinical setting when you have when you have surgery so i've, I've been learning a lot about um the process of being put under because i I'm a, I'm a little freak that enjoys this <laughs> kind of thing and you know when you get anesthetized obviously you're given you're given something that you know puts you to sleep but then you also have to be given a you know something that induces paralysis which is usually midazolam and then you are also given painkillers because just because you are unconscious does not mean that the body isn't feeling pain. And if the body feels pain, despite the fact that it is paralyzed and unconscious, 
that can be very troubling and really challenging and really traumatic for the body. So you have to be given, you know, this cocktail of drugs. But yeah, I heard a story of a woman who was not fully unconscious when she was administered this drug that was supposed to be, a, you know, a paralysis drug. And she said it was the worst pain that she could have ever have experienced. And because uh, death penalty is in like such a weird little space, uh, ethically, morally, you know, the drugs that need to be used need to be prescribed, but also it is in direct violation to the Hippocratic Oath. The drugs are then administered by people who are not medical professionals because of course, like no doctor would because it goes against the oath that they take, that they're often misadministered, they're administered by, you know, complete amateurs and these drugs, they expire. So I remember there was a, a period there where there was a certain state, I forget which one, I feel like maybe it was Arkansas, had a, a small stockpile of uh, midazolam and they couldn't find alternatives. And so they were fast tracking the execution of several prisoners so that they could use their reserves before they ran out. For me personally, I, I find the whole thing like deeply disgusting and like really very unsettling. That said, yeah. I they did like a little remix. They did. Like, I think they intentionally made it so that you would like twitch a bunch. And it was for the satisfaction of the family of the victim. Wow. That was watching you die. And like the point was, was to make you squirm around more as you were being injected because like no one wants to you know i mean i don't know if you feel this way but i'm guessing that the 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 thing is, is that no one wants to watch their family's you know greatest harmer or whatever the murderer of their child whatever like peacefully go to sleep they want to see them twist and turn and scream yeah and so that's like the point of it i think which is like sick it's super sick shit yeah yeah, it's repulsive. But anyway, yeah, you were saying, because didn't they give a bunch of like halfies to people? Like kind of like half, they were like really half m murder injections yeah. and like, they just didn't die. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much margin for error, I think, with all of the methods. I watched this really brilliant documentary a few years ago that was with uh, a former UK MP by the name of Michael Portillo. Um, who I once saw in a in a hairdresser's getting his hair done at the same time as I was getting my hair done. And I was like, oh, it's Michael Portillo. How interesting. Anyway, he hasn't been a public servant for quite some time. And he did a, quite a little roaring trade on the documentary circuit for a few years. And he did this really interesting documentary, which was like trying to find a better method of execution. So he goes to the US and is like, you know, the question of the morality of death is never really, morality of execution by the state isn't really introduced. It's more about methodology. And, you know, there are a lot of easily administered, painless ways to, to, to put someone to death. And we know this because of like, you know, certain end of life measures that are taken in countries and places where that is allowed. There are cocktails of drugs that are essentially, you know, non-painful, non-harmful, but there are also other methods like inducing hypoxia, which is uh, when you replace all of the oxygen, but you're still breathing. And this happens to like fighter pilots, they can pass out and die because of this thing that happens to the body called hypoxia. So anyway, Michael Portillo mm. investigates this and he goes to this like, you know, like governor of some like deep south state and is like, I've cracked it. There's a way that you can kill people painlessly. And this guy is like, we don't want to kill people painlessly. That's not the point. If we wanted to, we would. Like we want people to suffer. Yeah. Which is kind of gross. But then in that doc, they go for all the methods and like gas chamber is very unreliable. In order to have a, a good death in a gas chamber, you have to take I several deep breaths. I think, I think there are some states where it's, where it's on the table for sure. 
Okay. Okay. Gas chamber is a, a, a hard one because, yeah, in order to have a good death, you have to take several deep breaths. And it, it, it goes against your body's natural instinct to take several deep breaths because, you know, the quicker you breathe, you, the, the kind of poisonous gases, the quicker you pass out and, the, you know, the quicker death is. But the yeah. body's response is to fight that. Oh, God, electric chair is just so barbaric. I can't even it's get so into disgusting. it. They're putting a fucking sponge on your head, dog. Like, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> we've all seen the green mile. I, like, absolutely I no not. Pain. I get no pleasure from that. Like, and that is, okay, sorry, keep going. And then, but I, honestly, I think the most reliable, possibly, like, painless method might be the firing squad. Honestly. So, exactly. So, I've always said if I get the DP... I want to, I want to get, I want to, you know, I want to commit a felony of that size in, in a state where I can get the firing squad. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like, that's, that's like easy, right? Like firing squad's such an easy pick. And sometimes you do get to pick. I know there, there was a guy on death row not that long ago that was unfortunately like had to pick his, his means of death. Right. And I'm saying, dude, go firing squad. Like I'm kind of like firing squad. Because the thing is, is that and and this is the thing with death penalty, right? Is we have to assume that with death penalty, the goal is to see someone suffer. Mm. The goal is to intentionally inflict like suffering. It's not just like if you just wanted them dead, you it, like we wouldn't have to go through all these like eccentric methods, right? Mm -hmm. So I think like in a way, people are like firing squad, like, and I'm like, dude firing squads the easy like if you want brian Koberger to suffer you got to do the injection mm -hmm. like it's what it, it's such like an easy god you know what i mean totally also i think that like obviously i have like a, a deep moral ethical concerns around the death penalty generally but the other thing that i have a concern around is the is the human error element of it mm -hmm. And with a firing squad and the human error element and then also the long-term psychological impact of someone who does that, who does that job of an executioner. Because if somebody wants that job, I have a lot of very serious questions to ask them about why oh, they want to put themselves there. It's the McKamey Manor, like Island of Misfit Toys bunch that they're mm -hmm. pulling from for yeah. that. Like yeah. they're not pulling the, you know, they're not picking the ones that are, are working with a full deck, really. Like these are the different, the different folks that are in there. And like, yeah, like they, it has, you have to be masochistic, right? To, to want, to want to even, yeah. I mean, like, obviously this is arguing from a place, I'll just say for myself, arguing from a place where I even think the death penalty is a thing. If I'm trying to get into the mind of someone who really believes in the death penalty, which I just think is expensive <laughs> and I think is like very, even just when you were saying the gas chamber thing. That sounds expensive. Right. To like put all these poisonous gases in a room with someone. Like, how do you even do the, uh, how do you even clean that out? I know. But there's, in, in every single one of these methods, there is like the capacity for human like error is so huge because like those chemicals that go into the gas chamber have to be mixed by a human being. Like the drugs administered in lethal injection, a human being. Like the electric chair, a human being. In a firing squad, as far as I'm aware, right, it's like, isn't there like a bunch of people with guns, like eight to 10? None of yep. them know which one of the round is live. They all aim for the same place. So well, you don't know who does the killing. That's, yes, that's the point is that like no one, it's no one person in particular. But I will say that if you wanted to make a firing squad, like if you wanted to make it what it could be, 
<laughs> okay. You wouldn't start by being like, oh, let's all aim for his chest. Like, I'd be fucking tossing a, a wild one out on his calf. <laughs> like if I'm just approaching this as a from a as a businesswoman, if I'm approaching this, I'd be like, how do I get the most bang for my buck? Like I'm going for the calf first, making him fall, and then we can all do the group shot. Do you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> like firing squad is just too clean. It's too clean. Yeah. Like it's too like it's so like okay yeah so someone got hit in the chest ten times with bullets like it's done. Mm-hmm. The worst part is like. Though obviously the worst part is the walkout day of. Yeah. But like if you're that's if you're that sadistic, like you're probably not even thinking about it that much. You're probably like, whatever. Like, I don't think a lot of these people are super capable of considering there's a, like obviously the wrongfully convicted, which is fucking awful and has happened so many times in our history, and it's like awful. But the people who did the crime and are you know, facing their due punishment based on the laws in that state or whatever, they don't care. How many how many people you think are on death row crying about it? Right. Also, I think there's something very, there feels like there's something really like visceral and like visual about the firing squad. And with the other methods of death, I mean, with electric chair not included, there is like a, a neatness to the to lethal injection that feels like even though it is actually statistically likely to be a very painful, horrible way to die. And as you said that, you know, there will be a, an amount of like twitching and stuff. It is still very clean. It's very sanitized. Like the methodology of it feels very controlled and, and neat uh, in the same way that like lining someone up against a wall and firing bullets into them doesn't like that is that is far more visual as a thing like it just it's feels better for more, movies yes it's like it's it feels like oh god it feels like something at the nuremberg trials or something like it just right. feels so much more it's just so much more visual lethal injection i think people have a, a a general feeling and awareness that it maybe it's like you just go night night and it's not the case but it, it feels more sanitized it feels cleaner they should just give like I mean, honestly, if I was in charge of it, I'd be like, if you can't give them what they give dogs, like, yeah, then yeah. I don't want to do it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. if you have to remix it, like, that's not that interesting to me. That's like biochemical warfare. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be like fucking making someone's nerve shut down individually and shit. Mm-hmm. You got to give them the first one. That's like, you know, what they give so that your head is like chilling. And then you hit them with the other one. I don't know, man. Listen. One two punch. This is why, and this is just a good like example of why you don't murder. I would say ultimately <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, it's funny though because in the states where they have the death penalty, they do have the highest rates of uh, of murder. So I know, right? They're like, well, we told you. Okay, wait. Did you ever see this first video by Baby Grace exposing her ex Curtis? It has seven point five million likes. Wow, I I hadn't seen it until today. And it is uh, quite something. Okay, I'm going to play this for y'all so you know who we're talking about. Because this is a Mardi Gras story, believe it or not. <laughs> Yo, I'm a bourbon and guess who the fuck I see? <laughs> so, our girl Baby Grace ran into fucking Curtis at Mardi Gras. 
and she fucking got him on camera. And by the way, you know that Curtis is like, he got his fucking sister. I mean, first of all, let's bit back up and let me not be too sensational about this. He got his sister pregnant. His 12-year-old sister. Pregnant. Yeah, that's in that's incest. Yeah, that's incest. And yeah, so and then but imagine being Curtis, like having the confidence to be out at Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> the video is so great because she's just vibing and she's kind of got the, the front facing camera on and behind her is Curtis who is just kind of living his life and then he realizes that he's being filmed and then who he's being filmed by and I've just like I just see the seven stages of grief play out on this man's face it's brilliant but like the and the thing is is like she's so cool like, you're rooting for her, and I think that's what helps with all of this, and let's be real. Like, she is the exact right person to deliver this message, and mm. I know, I just know her, like, she's made his life hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the only thing Curtis really had going for him was that he was not, like, the only thing he had, Curtis had going for him was that we didn't know who Curtis was. Right. But he is bold, and it, like there he is, is like dumbasses out at Mardi Gras. Yeah, out for someone know. else to get pregnant, looking for a family member. Dude, yeah, and he had like a soul like string of beads. <laughs> just the one man. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know how he. I don't want to know how he got those beads. He probably pulled them off the floor. All right, well, we've talked about this before, Tiffany with Selena. Oh yeah, Selena, Selena. She indulges herself in what seems like, and I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it back what I've said. She indulges this sort of like never ending breadsticks of chaos with like Hailey Bieber and Justin Bieber, right? Like she, I've always thought it was so strange that she has sort of like continued always like, you know, like sort of like it's very like, it's like very like mean girl shit in public. And I, it feels like so, okay, if, any, if you guys are clueless about what's going on. So Haley Baldwin, daughter, her daughter of actor Stephen Baldwin, married Justin Bieber, who was in a relationship with Selena Gomez for a very long time. And they were like, a, you know, great teen couple, right? Everyone loved the two of them together. They had a very tumultuous relationship. Selena's was, she's very fucked up by it, I feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Quite, quite visibly so and that's uh she yeah she's no she's made a i don't think that's speaking out of school she's made a career long point of it right at this point but what's interesting is she went on a little bit of a tear over the weekend where she seemed to have been like she went back as far as like there was a seven-year-old video of Haley bieber sort of like making a face or something about ha taylor swift and Selena like commented on it like I'm standing up for my people or whatever and it's like girl what the fuck are you like you know what I mean <laughs> but it all springs from Selena had over laminated her eyebrows and made a post <laughs> about it where she said my name my name is Selena Gomez the way it's like the my name is Bella Hadid meme sort of mm -hmm. and so she had said that like she doesn't even she's like it doesn't I'm not pulling this off I don't even sound sexy so let's unpack this drama in and of itself so selena bella deed was in a relationship with the weekend for a while then selena dated him pretty quickly after maybe even a slight overlap with when bella finished dating him 
And like, you know, there's also like a little like, you know, there's a little like tea in there if you want to make it tea. But like Selena, you know, has this kidney she got from her friend that she's in a fight with, it seems like. And the weekend is known for being a big cokehead. And so like the two of them together was just sort of concerning, right? Because Selena has not stopped using like not drinking anyway. She's not stopped drinking since she's had a replaced kidney, which don't get me started on the kidneys. So then like so that's like the, the weirdness of Selena mentioning Bella Hadid. And she had put something in there like, oh, Bella's my girl crush. This feels so vintage. That's what I like about this. It feels vintage. So then. Kylie Jenner posts a screenshot of her FaceTiming with Haley Baldwin or Haley Bieber. And it's just shots of both of their eyebrows up close. And now here's bear with me. So Selena, this seems to have like sent Selent. It seems to have sent Selena on a little bit of a tear, right? That seemed to be like a little bit of a trigger point for her. And she, like, makes all these posts. Like, she's, like, commenting up a storm. And then she basically does a live saying, like, I'm 30 years old. I'm too old for this. I'm going to delete my TikTok. Okay? So I'm going to take a social media break, she says. And this was after her last social media break. And she had just sort of come back. Like, she had just was, like, regained her crown as, like, the number one followed on woman on social yes. media. Yeah, on, on Instagram. So... I'm going to tell you this, okay? So, obviously, this is, like, embarrassing bogan behavior on Selena's part. Like, you know, just, you know, off the rip. You're like, oh, this is so embarrassing for her. I'm going to be real with you. Selena, we know Selena's dealt with shades of mental illness and, like, anxiety and all that stuff. She has lupus. She has all that. Like, she has a lot going on. But she did come out as saying that she had bipolar disorder in her most recent documentary. And I do think that, like, there. so there's this other T. Okay. So the thing with the Jenners is that I don't know if you heard this, but allegedly, do you remember that clip that was going viral of Kendall that where she was, like, really, I don't know, like, emphatically saying that she had a really terrible time in Dubai the first two times she went there? Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's like this. everyone was reading her lips because it's just like the most obvious lip reading you've ever seen. Yeah. Well, it turns terrible, out. Terrible, as I recall. Terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Right. She's going that. And like everyone's like making fun of her because her tongue is coming out on the word terrible for a word with like no L sounds in it. Well, I guess there's the L and terrible, but it's like a lot. So anyway, she turns out that Kendall's first time in Dubai was with Selena. And Gigi Hadid. And <gasps> why did Selena and Gigi Hadid go to Dubai? Because they had planned it with Justin so that he could hang out with Haley while <gasps> Selena was gone in Dubai. <gasps> it's mean girl triangulation. Oh my God. So I have stood back from this and now I'm looking at this and saying, Haley Bieber is fucking obsessed with Selena Gomez. Mm-hmm. And she has been doing everything she can to subliminally get under her skin. And by the way, I, I feel like I feel like Kylie's actually probably a sweetheart and probably was even like not to, you know, claim innocence for her or whatever. But she's younger. Like, I don't think she was like Kendall's mean. Kendall comes off as someone who's mean. Yeah, I get mean girl from Kendall way more than I do from Kylie. Like, honestly, when I see Kylie, I see a lot of like 
Chloe and a lot of Chris in her. And I don't think that, like, I don't think there's mean behavior in them. Like, I think they can be like, I don't know. I Like, I, I always think back to Kylie literally calling Kim and telling her to stop with the bullshit around Jordan and how, like, fucked up it was when they were doing those, like, stupid little Snapchat, like, lip syncs to, like, get your own man. And Kylie was like, enough. Like, this is, this is not it. Like, I think she's mature beyond her years, honestly. I Yeah, I kind of feel like Kylie was tagged in a little unnecessarily. But, yeah. like, Kylie is friends with, like, I'm sorry, I think Justin Bieber's a little shithead. He is. Like, I cunt. really think he's a little fucking cunt. Exactly. And, like, there's something in inelegant to this whole thing that reminds me of, like, remember when the early 2000s girlies were, like, on MySpace and, like, like, it would just be, like, Lindsay Lohan, like, writing an obvious, like, sub <laughs> about Nicole Richie and then, like, you know, then Paris would write back and be, like, LOL, you fucking dyke or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? She'd always write, like, <laughs> fucking mean as shit. And it's, like, babes, like, we are watching this. Yeah. And we're seeing it play out on the sidelines. And, like, you don't have to be in too many toxic social circles to understand what's happening here. Right? Isn't it? It it's it has the same energy as like Kim K, Haley Duff, and and Paris, you know that whole thing where like yeah they were sending the emails and she was like yeah I would love to like meet up with you and then it was like fuck you, you st- I forgot I don't hang out with horses you stupid bitch you're such a slut <laughs> yeah or like the thing when like remember so okay this is a this is a deep cut but do you remember that like a email to go to Nicole Richie's 4th of July barbecue went viral. Like someone had reposted it. And that 4th of July barbecue is where Misha Barton like had a really bad mushroom trip. And then basically that was the beginning of her downfall in Hollywood. Oh. And like, it's interesting because like Misha's still not, doesn't seem to be doing too great, right? And it feels like she Misha's someone that's always been used as a pawn a little bit. And it's kind of like you look at her and you're like, what did she do? Except be like an unusual it girl in a way. I mean, of course she was like beautiful or whatever, but she did seem to come out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. And it feels like it was almost like she was too much lightning in a bottle for like all that. And there's like something there that was delicate that like needed to be destroyed. And that's a little bit of what I feel with Selena. And then when you look back on how Haley has literally been tweeting about Selena, she has been, you know, she's copied so many like little insignificant, like things that seem insignificant, but like, you know, Selena will wear something on a, on a Monday and like Haley's out the next day wearing it. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, she just seems like a big copycat. I think she even like copied a tattoo. Like, there's little things that she's copied from her over the years or things that she's like, I would say like it's timely. Like she's, it's like interesting timing, right? Where it's like, oh, Selena Gomez, this person who apparently there's no fucking beef with and like nothing's a big deal with her, right? Like coincidentally, like you just happen to be out doing something that directly opposes that. Mm-hmm. I think another example, and people were trying to like chalk this up to, you know, it's nothing, but Haley did that interview on Call Her Daddy where she addressed the Selena beef for the first time ever. And they were photographed together a couple weeks after that had gone out. But it was right before Selena's documentary came out. 
And for the first time ever, Hailey Bieber sat down and like spoke about these, you know, this sort of like ongoing battle between the stands. And I kind of just think that like Haley is, she's either obsessed with Selena or I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's very single white female. Mm. Like, I think she just has something. She wants Selena's essence. And like, at a certain point, like fucking her man was the closest she could come to it. <laughs> yes. And like everyone's like, well, she's the one who's married to Justin. It's like, well, yeah, that that's in a world where Justin's the prize. I know. And if you've seen them together, it it doesn't feel nice. Like it really doesn't. I think he's like every time I see them together, he's kind of being a little unkind to her, like saying something shady in a live stream or slamming a car door in her face. Or like I, I do think he's a he's a real little fucking shit. And it's always when there's like a million cameras out there. Like people will always be like, Justin's such a protective husband. And it'll be like Haley getting into like a streamer van or something. And then Justin like confronting the paparazzi about whether or not they took an upskirt picture. And it's like, yeah, he has an audience right now. But yeah, like but when they're alone and there's no one to sort of inform his behavior and they're on an IG live, he's literally belittling her the entire time. But he's do he's done fucked up stuff, you know, like the sorry, I just put a square of chocolate in my mouth and I shouldn't have done You're that. You're good. We're recording a podcast. I We've been doing a twelve hour podcast, dude. We're fucking <laughs> I might pull up a Caesar salad right now. <laughs> I'm just kinda crunchy too, so I apologize. We loved it. But the cat the, the car door thing was in front of a wall of photographers. So again, yeah, like the thing that they do in the comfort of their own home gives me pause, but if he's behaving like that in in front of the audience of the world that's also very concerning. Yeah, he's a fucking weird dude. And like, so I kind of feel like, in a way, you know what I imagine Justin is like? Mm -hmm. I imagine Haley saw how happy, because one of her famous, like, you know, tweets that was like, people always point to when they're like, she's obsessed or whatever, is she said, like, sorry, I don't care what you think. Like, Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber are the definition of a teenage dream. Like, hashtag word. I think that's what it, I think that's what it is. Hashtag word. Okay, so that, that was like a viral thing. That was like a thing that always comes up, right? So when you look at that, you can, you're probably the person who's sitting at home who, like, realistically, your dad's Stephen Baldwin, which isn't great in terms okay. of, like, mm -mm. You know, you're not starting it. You're not starting on the like best potential position, right? But you can make something work with that. And I do think Haley's an achiever, and I do think that she has sort of this. She has a she has a grace to her, right? That despite being this very fucking messy person, she has this like overwhelming amount of grace to her. I would say she's got grace to spare, and like. I think that she probably is in this relationship with Justin Bieber and is literally going through hell every day and is like, but like, he'll never love me like he loved her or like, mm -hmm. what did she do right mm -hmm. that I'm doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, honey, like she didn't do it right. Like Selena Gomez is a fucking wreck. Like mm -hmm. she hasn't had like a good stable long-term relationship since Justin. Like, the media won't let her forget. She won't let us forget. Like, all of her, you know, all of her music is like, you know, I just sort of like, I healed from a really abusive relationship. 
And like, and by the way, that's fair. And that can take you 20 years to process. But she just, she's honored this process publicly. So I'm, I kind of feel like, I don't know, man, but like they got engaged like two months after he and Selena broke up. Yeah. Like, I think Haley just sort of made herself really available. And I think that she probably is very agreeable. Mm. But. I have to think like, because like when you look at like Kylie, when you look at Kendall, when you look at Bella, they probably all grew up worshiping Selena. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She was the teen dream. And there's something a little bit sort of monkey's paw-esque about the the Biebers. Like the idea of like, you know, because of course Hayley Bieber was such a big fan of Justin and, you know. And Selena. She was tiny. Yeah, and Selena. Like it's a little bit be careful what you wish for, it feels like to me. And am I right in thinking, I swear to God, I've seen old paparazzi footage of like Justin and Selena like on Skid Row. So, okay, it's interesting. They always call it Skid Row, but actually that's like East Hollywood. That's like actually not far from where I where I used to live. And they always talk about it like it's Skid Row and it makes me feel bad because it's like, no, this is just like a Mexican neighborhood. In oh. L.A. Like Skid Row is like a not you know what I mean? Like it's not I don't know if Skid Row is considered to be that, but it's like almost sad because it's just like, no, guys, this is just like a Mexican market, essentially. Oh, because the implication is they were there to pick up drugs. Right. And by the way, that's OK. Like, I actually do think that that might be right on. But you don't have to like it's not like the only place you can score drugs in Los Angeles is Skid Row. Like it's you know, I mean, I, I do think that that time. They were very, I think that they were very much using and they were very much using together. And I mm. think that he dragged her down mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. a lot. And I think that like Justin dragged Selena down with that a lot. And Haley sort of stepped in as this like savior. Like, you know, it's always rumored that like they got married really quick at a courthouse one afternoon in New York because they like she wouldn't consummate the marriage until mm. or she wouldn't like fuck him until they were married. Mm-hmm. And they're both, you know, Stephen Baldwin famously uh, religious zealots. Justin with his Hillsong Church, like all of that kind of the weird, dark evangelical stuff that's going on with that. And I always wonder about like relationships where people are really in the trenches together and like what that, like what sort of bond that creates. And it's like the deepest, darkest parts of you that feel unlovable being like seen by another person and I think that that's that's probably like when I think of Justin and Selena I think of that I think of like very young like very intense like wrapped up in probably addict behavior which feels like the roughest worst parts of you and that kind of love like it's very toxic but it does get it it gets deep into the bones and and it's very different right like Justin had a very instable like unstable home life right with his father just popping up into the picture after not giving a shit about him for years like selena is like i think just had like sort of a rocky road like being a young woman in the disney world like you know losing friends or whatever like i think taylor's like her only sort of like mainstay you know but here's the question where do you think hillsong plays into this because Mm. Selena and Justin were going to Hillsong and I don't know where Selena's at with her Catholicism or religious I believe she was probably raised Catholic right Mm. but like she 
like, was going to Hillsong with Justin around the time that he started to go full, like, Carl Lentz. And, like, Carl Lentz, like, rehabbed him, right? And then Selena got dropped and Haley came in the mix. I'm I'm thinking that, like, that could also be some of the trauma from it where it's, like, for Selena, she's, like, be for, like, she's, be for real. Be so serious right now. What does the kid say? Be so fucking for real right now. Okay, like... She's probably like, you're in a fucking cult. Like, this is a cult relationship. Yeah. And you, like, ruined my brain. And, like, that's something that, like, I could feel her. But it just always feels like this, like, you know, as much as I want to, like, you know, I want to hold Selena accountable for this embarrassing behavior. I do feel like she's being bullied. And I feel like this is the thing that needs to be considered is that all of these rich, famous women who are all Nepo babies, whereas, like, Selena earned her fame. Like, she was from a fucking small town in Texas and like they never did the Hollywood thing until she got an audition and then when she auditioned for Disney she had three pilots filming simultaneously and the one they picked up was Wizards like and she she was the lead in all of them like Disney had banked on her Mm -hmm. and like none of these people have been bankable on their own talent like Bella like Kylie Kendall Haley, like all these people are nepo babies and so they're probably like she naturally has this thing they probably don't even really see the difference or realize but it's like man you know this is a real aaron carter situation for me or a trisha paytas situation i'm like let me in <laughs> give me one day with selena and i will i will fix it <laughs> See, I still think I could fix Lindsay. I have definitely gone off the boil with fixing Britney. I don't think I think that's beyond even my capabilities. But right, no, I think Lindsay's fixed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, this is like some like it's almost like old school. You don't get this anymore, and like unfortunately, I think because this, you know, the people who are like more of the gossiping generation now like the younger kids that are like actually this is their contemporary they are the way that like britney is more ours right Mm -hmm. like they are not they don't know how to attack this from a historical perspective Mm -hmm. so it's like you have to you guys have to look at it is that there is a precedent for this sort of open bullying we've seen it before and i think that's what's happening with selena (laughs) they're jealous of her yeah the way that like like, Nicole and Paris were jealous of Lindsay. It always seemed like, right? But Lindsay, because Lindsay had her own thing going on. But it right. always seemed like they were jealous of her. Right. I don't know. Anyway, YOLO. Like, I'm, I'm fired up about it. Let me know what you think. Okay, so, Tiffany, this is a really interesting story. You put two stories in the docs. I have not seen the bottom story, and I'm looking forward to that. But tell me about this one. I saw this in the news. Oh, this is absolutely fascinating. Brilliant. So. Last year, one of the many states that passed some pretty restrictive abortion bills under Ron DeSantis, who is literal human excrement, they put further restrictions on abortions past 15 weeks of pregnancy, further kind of furthering the narrative that an unborn baby is an entire human being that needs to be treated as such. A a woman by the name of Natalia Harrell shot a mother of three in the back of an Uber last summer and she's currently on trial or she's awaiting trial for murder her lawyers have pulled a bit of a a judo move on the on the legislation around that 
and have argued that her unborn baby is innocent and should be released from jail. <laughs> Which is like, I mean, look, don't shoot people no, in the back a of a fucking Mary dog. It's, it's a Hail Mary, dude. Like, this is brilliant. I have to say, this is Brillo. This is Brillo. Like, <laughs> don't you think? It's It's incredible. It's like, what this woman is on trial for doing is absolutely heinous. Like, it's fucked. However, I have to admire the use of the law against the oppressor. And I, I love, this is like my favorite thing about the subtleties of the, of the legal system. Mm -hmm. is finding strange and unusual loopholes because this is where this is where battles are kind of fought and won in these like in these small acts and i think this is a this is really interesting to me for the reason of like it could set an interesting legal precedent well it's great i mean i agree with you like with the alec baldwin thing even by the way like obviously let's we're not talking about getting this woman off murder legit like, let's be real about that. No. Like, this is not what we're talking about. She probably should be in jail if we're going to, you know, if we're going to be putting people in jail. You know what I mean? This is one. This is one that's, you know, fair. But no, I, I agree with you. The the fun of lawyering and the fun of law for me I, as like someone who just watches from the sidelines probably couldn't. I think about it. I, I think about it. I couldn't. I don't think I could finish my college credits to be to apply for law school i don't know if i have the right credits to finish to like apply for law school but i think about it a lot because i do i agree this like this problem solving is really fun mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and and that's what lawyering is i think it's a lot of problem solving and it's like unique solutions to complicated problems so what i think is so interesting about this is it's literally calling to task like the most unlikable thing and saying but it's the law Mm -hmm. But it's the law like you literally would put someone else in jail for not doing this. So why does she have to be in jail for doing you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's very it's very smart the way that they're maneuvering this. I, I mean, personally, I love it. I was thinking about the Alec Baldwin thing where they dialed back his charges because like the DA tried to file charges based on a law that was passed since the shooting happened, which is illegal. And I was like. But a good DA would find another charge. Right. Like, find the same charge in a different font. You know what I mean? Like, it's just always about, like, the laws you pick because there's so many interesting precedents. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of, I don't know. How do you feel? Like, if I was this, the victim's family member, I'd be horrified. Yeah, of course. I would be outraged. There but might I be one that's down for the cause, though. Yeah, I, and that's the thing, like... There are often cases that I think speak to that become a lightning rod because like often the general public don't involve themselves in like in the nuances of law because it's incredibly fucking boring. That's why like the legal system is like slow moving and it's boring and like it's heavy and, and, and all the rest of this kind of stuff. And a lot, I think a lot of big changes that happen in society often happen be be because there's an individual who becomes a lightning rod. And this has happened like, you know, throughout all of history is that sometimes you need a, a, an individual that becomes symbolic of something. And in this case, you know, this young woman has become the symbol and the kind of, yeah, the lightning rod, the talking point for this issue, which is whether or not a unborn fetus is, is really a person that deserves to be treated like a person. 
And the delightful, delicious thing about the law is that you really can't have it both ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it creates like this beautiful moral conundrum. And oftentimes like there's, the thing is much bigger than, than the case itself. Like it, it speaks to something much greater. And even if the figurehead is particularly unlikable, like I think this woman, you know, she's, she's accused of doing a really fucked up, really nasty crime. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's almost like, not to say that it's, that it's irrelevant because I think it is relevant, but there is, a, there is a larger issue at play here as well. I was thinking, like, I watched this documentary today about this woman called Shamima Bajam. Have you heard of her? I don't believe that's a human. <laughs> okay. That's a name, Shamima Bajer? Uh, Shamima Bajam. Okay, okay, I believe you. Okay. So this is, this is a huge story in the UK right now. And it's even huger because this documentary's just come out about her which I watched today and was actually really brilliant. So like UK viewers can find it on iPlayer. It's called the Shamima Bajam story. And Shamima Bajam's a really interesting character because when she was 15, her and two other schoolgirls from Bethnal Green in London, they fled London. They went to Turkey and they were smuggled across the border into Syria where they joined ISIS. They Same. were, yeah, exactly. I knew, you, I knew this would <laughs> resonate with you. They were, yeah, they were 15 years of, years of age. They had a friend who was a little bit more radical, a little bit more religious, who had already kind of settled. She'd already run away and settled in Syria um, and was married to this man and was talking to the girls and telling them, look, you've got to come here. This is your duty. This is this kind of, you know, we're sending them these propaganda videos. I think of the ISIS propaganda videos, everybody always remembers, you know, the beheadings and the violence and all the rest of this stuff. But Around 7% of the videos that ISIS made were, were this ultra-violence. The other, like, 93% yeah. were building this, like, Islamic state, like, the caliphate, the utopia, like, this, you know, they were promoting this really kind of, like, you know, beautiful, impossible Islamic state. So Shamima runs away. She joins ISIS. She's married off to this Dutchman. They, and she's, you know, she's 15 years old. At the time in the media, the language was very much around like Shamima being a victim and needing to get her home. As time passed, the narrative changed. So um, Shamima uh, was uh, there was a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff. But basically, when the when Raqqa fell, when the when the Kurdish forces took took back Raqqa and uh, the Islamic State were essentially draw, like they were flushed out of the major cities in Syria. There were thousands and thousands of people who fled and they were refugees. Shamima was one of them. Shamima had been pregnant five times and she was still, you know, a baby. She was a teenager. Mm. She had lost two children to miscarriage and then she had given birth to two children who essentially died because of malnutrition because the conditions were so terrible. Then she, ha- she gave birth to her third baby in a refugee camp. And the baby also died. It's so fucked. What the UK Home Office did. So basically, this reporter from the Sunday Times went over and was doing a story about these migrants um, and what was happening, the sort of situation in Syria. When he was there, he met this young woman with a London accent. He said, Who, you know, what's your name? She said, Shamima Bajam. He was like, holy shit, this is one of the Bethnal Green Three, this girl that had been missing for four years. And suddenly the press was ignited and... Shamima was giving interviews and and she was saying that she wanted to come home and she wanted to have her baby at home. She wanted to have a baby in the UK because she wanted her baby to be born, you know, in the National Health Service because she wanted course, her baby yeah. to live. Uh, the baby died. 
and oh. yeah it was it was fucking horrific and then the home i would office, say not isis irl like if i'm gonna <laughs> if i'm gonna vote are we voting, We're voting. Say, i'm gonna say not isis ril <laughs> they're not they're not great not gonna lie but she had her passport taken off her not just her passport taken off but she had her uk citizenship revoked leaving her stateless which is essentially a kind of a human rights issue because shamima has she lives in this like det- like detention camp. There are people in this country who want her to come home and face kind of the legal system, the pr- like properly go through the judicial system and face kind of, you know, face the consequences of her crimes. That's also something she wants to do. Then there are others who say, let her rot in a, in a camp. And the narrative now, which is much more compassionate, has been around the fact that she was a 15-year-old child who was groomed and trafficked but she has become a lightning rod for this issue of like what do you do with people that have potentially been radicalized who are left stateless and so unfortunately there are lots of people in shamima's position who come from all over the world you know there are people from canada there are people from the united states who who left and joined the islamic state lots of people in europe but the only face that you see is shamima bajams because her case is so front and center so it's like whatever happens with her will go on to set a legal precedent that was like a roundabout the houses way of, of talking about it but you know what i mean it's like it's fascinating how a single individual can basically become that do you think she's isis though like i mean like do you think that she's legit isis i don't think she is i think no. she was deeply naive like she's also like i mean she's definitely been on a bit of a pr campaign because the way that she looks and dresses now is significantly more western when we first started getting news footage of her, she was wearing kind of a full, I don't know if she's wearing a niqab, but she was definitely wearing full covering. And now she's like, she's dressing very Western. I saw it in the interview with her today. She had, her hair was out. She had sunglasses on. She has very long hair. And she was wearing a t-shirt that said like Catstagram. That was like some Instagram cat t-shirt that I thought was actually kind of cute. And they asked her, they were like, what would you say to 15 year old Shamima? And she goes, don't do it, bitch. <laughs> really yeah she was like just don't do it bitch oh my god yeah i mean listen i'll be real with you isis definitely i mean to say that isis just got teens by saying like you know we do a lot of beheadings you know they were like yolo like (laughs) they really were like that's something that gets lost in translation a lot you're right they promised a like a holy land essentially like you will be forever fucking paid back by being in this this like you know circle dude like this is why we do what we do yeah yeah it's intense it was it was insane i would i'm keeping a close eye on it i um i don't know i i feel a great deal of compassion towards her i don't think she's entirely um blameless like she does have agency but i mean you're a 15 year old like you're a fucking idiot yeah, no. Certified you're like, idiot. I don't think you're an ISIS when you're 15. No, absolutely not. You know what else is really fucked up? And this is what I learned today. They, both British intelligence and Canadian intelligence, had knowledge of like, because when Shamima was trafficked, she had a friend who was obviously living already within the Islamic State. And she also had, she was trafficked by this guy who I think was responsible for trafficking about 150 people across the border from Turkey to Syria. He was a Canadian intelligence agent, well, not agent, a asset. So he was informing and 
he was, you know, feeding back, blah, 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 blah. One of Shamima's friends who had gone off and joined ISIS, she was also kind of under close, under close watch by the UK intelligence authorities. And the police had sent a letter home to Shamima, to her parents saying, we, we would really like to talk to Shamima, we'd like to question her. The letter came, Shamima opened it and hid it, and nothing was ever done about Girl. it, as, as you would do as a 15 year old. They were like, oh, sure. the, oh, the police want to talk to me about like ISIS? No, thank you. So she hid it. So like a lot of people had knowledge of this potential move to Syria. And nothing was ever put in place to stop it. And what the implication was from the documentary was that the security services allowed it to happen so that they could use it as an intelligence gathering exercise. Mm -hmm. And so I also feel that like not only was Shamima like used and groomed by by bad actors in Syria, like by ISIS, Absolutely. she was also laid out like a lamb to the slaughter with the uh, intelligence authorities who could have stopped this from happening and instead decided to let it happen so that they could i don't know use it as an intelligence gathering thing which is yeah, it was sort of like yeah like oh like this 15 year old shit wants to step to us okay like we'll just ruin her <laughs> life yeah. yeah and we'll use all of this to collect info like by the way if you guys have been wronged no absolutely not a anyone listening to this if you've been wronged you know and don't let it happen. And you got to stand up for yourself. And I'll be here to defend you. Send me up. Let's open a Google form for people who were wronged. Oh, my God. Because this is what I'm thinking about, dude. Like, so many people are just, like, wronged. And they don't even know it. And, like, thank God that this was, like, heavily covered. But this is the thing. We're, this is even, you know, not to, like, shout out Selena Gomez. But, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we watch these things where it's, like, no, if you take a step back and you fucking peel back a layer. Like, this is a big fucking mind fuck that's been done to Misha Barton or mm. Selena Gomez or Shamima Bajum. Fucking <laughs> teenage girl. Right. Like, it's exactly right. Like, she's just like, honestly, a citizen who like, can you imagine? Like, no, absolutely not. No. To be yeah. like, that's like, that's the real MK Ultra dog. <laughs> like, where the hell, where the hell are the QAnon people on this? This podcast this is always like, at the cutting edge, don't you feel? Like Selena Gomez and Shamima Bajam at once. Are you? Are you yeah, I feel. Me? Who else is doing this? No one else is doing this. With also a <laughs> a two hour break to do um, Jake Paul fight commentary in the middle of it. I just don't want anyone listening to this who's not also like subscribed to the Patreon or maybe not necessarily following along with what's going on here during the recording of this. We stopped for two hours <laughs> to watch a boxing match, which we did, I don't know, kind of like chaotic live commentary on. Yeah. And we are now just getting to, on the other side of four and a half hours or whatever it is, <laughs> we are now just wrapping up our fucking stories. Like, it's no one's doing it like us, baby. No one's doing it like us. That's what they no. say. And I believe that. Thank it's you the for the truth. I want to say thank you for letting me always get on my soapbox about ISIS, North Korea, and Russia, my three specialist subjects. Girl, and trust me, I'm going to hit you back with some 9-11 and January 6th <laughs> on the back half, so don't ever worry about it. Wait a minute, though. This story is really interesting. I really want to hear people's thoughts on this. Can we finish, though, with this quick little British Problems subreddit? Which, by the way, is fucking the dumbest name. I'm so sorry. I know it really British is. Problems. Wait, like... Why would you, if you had a British problem, why would you post to this? Like, post to this. I would, that's like mocking yourself. 
as a British person, being British is a problem. So is that is it like no one? <laughs> but like the idea that she thinks no one else will get this in and of itself is like a r- rare sort of American narcissism. <laughs> so I saw this. This was doing this was doing the rounds on Twitter, and somebody had posted a screenshot. And the tweet says the British problem subreddit is usually absolutely dire, but this one is as utterly pitch perfect and i've never felt more sorry for someone do you want to read it sure there's a new guy in the office it's his second day and we've just found out we have identical commutes same start and finish time too i'm an introvert who values her 45 minutes of peace in the morning to watch netflix listen to music or stare into space before mentally draining eight hours in the office similarly the 45 minute journey home is my time to decompress from the workday I don't know much about him yet, but he seems very friendly and outgoing, i.e. the kind of person who would chat to me for the entire journey. He's already asked me what time I get to the station in the mornings, and I think he's probably going to try and travel back with me today unless I literally run out of the office at finish time. I hope some of you understand my pain. I don't want to travel, buddy. Edit. I'm sure some are waiting for an update on what happened at finish time today. I rushed out of the office on the dot at 5 p.m., walked to the station so fast that I gave myself shin splints, and somehow he caught up with me? My worst fears are confirmed. He wants to be travel pals. Send help. SOS emoji. This actually um, hurts me deep in my soul, not gonna lie. (laughs) Why? Because there's this, like, there's this, like, enforced politeness precedent that happens, you know, when you, like, I I feel this deep as an introvert that I really just want to treat the rest of the world like NPCs, like, and I don't interact unless absolutely necessary. And I've been in a position before now, like I remember I used to get the train when I was still living in Cardiff and I was commuting to Bristol. I used to get the train and there was this guy that worked in a frozen yogurt shop who I like once had a conversation with whilst buying yogurt, who was so excited to see me every time that like I would it would like make my blood run cold when I had to when I had to walk past the stand (laughs) it makes me so sad too because it it, I know it's wrong I feel shame about it but like I'll fully I'll walk a I'll walk a city blocker too Mm -hmm. to avoid someone that's overly familiar with me like there was this Italian couple that would always call me into their shop and like they literally would push like a pair of like $800 Valentino shoes on me and I would buy them. And they, I literally <laughs> think I might've been keeping their business open. Like at like sort of, sort of towards the end, like they would literally call me on the phone and be like, you have to come in. And like, it was like, honestly, I was having sales game run on me for sure. But <laughs> it like, they felt they made themselves feel so familiar. And I'm so, I just don't want to talk to people. Totally. I also think that like, this isn't a uniquely British problem. I'm sure there are introverts all over the world, Shao Bulgaria, who experience this. But I do think <laughs> all of our Bulgarian listeners are like nodding in like appreciation right now. They're like sitting, sitting doing their commutes with their headphones on, like pretending that the person opposite them doesn't exist. I, I see right. you. We see you. We feel you. By the way. Look at the person nodding on the other side of the train from you. They're also your, they're your friend and you don't even know it. <laughs> and guess I what? You never have you to like say it. anything. You never have <laughs> right. to say anything. They just get it. Okay. So it's fine. But I do think that like British people in particular have a, have a way, like in a very evasive way of speaking and uh, a very evasive way of conducting ourselves. Cause I don't think we're like 
naturally confrontational, nor are we particularly good at <laughs> honesty. <laughs> no, no, it's like, no, 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 no. Like you guys make passive aggressiveness, which is my least favorite quality in a person. I'm so sorry to say this. You guys make passive aggression a fucking sport. Yeah, we do. We really do. We really do. And I'm like kind of a dumbass. Like truthfully, I don't really respond well to passive aggression. Like I don't even, sometimes I don't even know what's being done to me. So it's like your passive aggression has no place in my household because it's like, <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing me, dog. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I, I am never the type of person who would want to deal with what she's, I would, I would never even put her in this position. No, I would die. This would kill me. Like, yeah. This would kill me. This would absolutely kill me. I still like now I have in the shop that's near me, like the kind of like bodega style boss man shop. There is a person there who works there who like when I first used to go there and buy wine, he would take the price tag off the wine because it was like a, a thing to do for like if I was taking it to a dinner party, I guess. Sure. And like there was a time where he just stopped doing that because he knew. <laughs> she's gonna go home and kill a bottle she's not going to this many parties yeah like why is she buying a bag of quavers a diet coke for the morning three cabri scream eggs and a bottle of wine like this is just a sad lady (laughs) he was like this is less of a an occasion and more of a routine yeah absolutely (laughs) and i remember like i think I, i think i went and got a bottle of wine on a saturday and then i went to get another bottle of wine on a sunday and i walked past and he was behind the counter and then I swerved and, and, and took a alternative route to go to a much further shop <laughs> because yeah. I couldn't handle it. Even though when I go in, he automatically like, he automatically turns his back to go and reach for the jewels, which are in like the top right hand corner because he just yeah. knows. He's just like, uh, Alpine Berry, right? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I need you to know me like that. I, I do like the sense of, like, you can't, like, I would say in Los Angeles in particular, you can't buy that sense of familiarity. Like, that's something that you truly earn. And, like, familiarity in a city like this where, like, you know, I mean, everyone else could be fucking coquettes. You know what I mean? Rid- riding around in their fucking uh, Ray-Bans, dude. You could ever, I'm, as I sit here recording a podcast at 4, 4.38 p.m. <laughs> wearing Ray-Bans <laughs> in my bed. Like, no, I, uh, yeah, like, it's like, you know, like, it, like, that's a sense of familiarity that's, like, actually nice to have in a neighborhood. It's community, right? But I agree with you, and sometimes people can be overeager, and that's very off-putting. And, like, I do think it's, like, a delicate balance of, like, you need to be demure. Like, you need to be sort of, like, a shy boy. Like, if you own a store like that. Like, my guy is very withholding. But he knows my cigs and we do a bit, you know, like I'll say, oh, I need Marlboro lights. And I'll be like, oh, camel lights. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. And then I'll like give me my Marlboro lights. But he always like <laughs> pretends he can't hear me. Right. That's our bit. And like, but I do think there's like a deeper thing there where he's like, I truly do not care. And I'm not listening to you. <laughs> and so we have this like respect there where I'm always like, hey, Sam, how are you doing? Like, you know, like I really like I ask him about his wife and shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he also seems like he hates me. But I also know that like one day I was there and there was this like weird guy outside that was trying to make me buy alcohol for him at eight in the morning. Mm. And I was like, I can't, man, you know. And then the guy like literally just some other guy in the store like stood up and like walked me home. 
And I'm like, Sam, I don't know where you got this man, but like, that's so cool. You know what I mean? Thank you for this guy. (laughs) But like, you know, it's just this thing where it's like, you know, it's just this thing where it's like, yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. It's this over familiarity. That said, I think that the daily commute in in Los Angeles, I'll just say, is actually so good for people's mental health, whether they realize it or not. Like if you're living on the east side and you're commuting to Santa Monica, you're going to tell me that that hour and a half home doesn't actually feel so fucking good. Because like you've got your routine down. Mm-hmm. By the time you're doing it, you've got your routine down. This is where you like are taking care of business. This is when you call your best friend. This is when you like, you know, or call your mom or whoever. This is where you maybe just shut the fuck up and don't speak to anyone. And like it's your moment before you get out of the car and like have to face whoever's on the other side of the next door. Mm -hmm. That's your moment. So I think commute time is like honestly a really sacred experience. Yeah. I would just be like, hey, I'd lie. I'd be like, hey, my home life is hell. (laughs) And like I'd really like to have this relationship with you. And this is not something you need to report to HR. But like my home life is hell. And like, I really need need this this. time to like zone. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I'm not trying to be like much more personal than that. But like, I would definitely, yeah, I'd own it. I'd own it, baby. You just reminded me of your bit that you have with your, with your local shop guy. Um, I had this fun bit going with the, I think it's the son of the owner and what they do. And I, and I love this about like small little family run businesses is like, if somebody steals from that business, the way they put them on blast is always the funniest thing to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they had this like printout of this like CCTV footage, like both on the entrance door and then also right by the counter. That was like a printout of some guy in like a fake Canada goose jacket. And then they had written on it in Sharpie, banned for stealing beer. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> and they'd done that in both. And so I was buying wine and crisps as per. And, and I, and I said, uh, and, and, you know, it was like taking a, taking a second to like ring things up, whatever. So I made a little bit of conversation and I said, oh, that's naughty, stealing beer. And he said, it looks like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would get me. And I died. I no. died. <laughs> I would like, honestly, that's fucking great. Yeah. I, I would love that. that made me, <laughs> it made me laugh so, so much. happy. It was yeah. like a full grown man as well with like a baseball hat. <laughs> kind of... <laughs> I'd be honored if someone did that bit to me. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> so he's actually my favorite because like we do love a little bit of the bands together also i like that the jewel like the jewels that i like are always on the highest shelf and so they have to bring out a little stool to stand on the stab to get the jewels and mm-hmm. then we just have a lot of fun with it you know <laughs> <laughs> no i love that bit no that's a great bit oh my god totally if I were you, I'd roll up like in a fake Canada goose. Like, you know what I mean? And I'd be like, that's who I am for Halloween. <laughs> you should go with him for Halloween. He, that Maybe guy I would will. love that, probably. The beer thief. Who's the beer thief? You. Yeah, exactly. You could say, exactly. Be like, I'm, guess who I am? Like, <laughs> you would know. <laughs> but, babe, I know I love that story. I mean, listen, yeah, this is um just, 
This is British passive aggression. I don't like it. You guys have to figure that out. You have to nail it down. Like, <laughs> you guys even have Karens? Uh, yeah, 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 we do. But honestly, I think uh, we've talked about this, but I think our greatest threat is honestly gammons. I think gammons are worse than Karens. What are they again? Gammons are like red-faced ham looking. Oh, like, like a right. joint of ham looking. Like, like a can of ham. 60-year-old men who... <laughs> Who are just like, they love posting like nostalgic photos on Facebook and be like, when we used to play outside, we used to play out till it was dark. And now look at them, they're all soft. When I was a young one, looking at a girl's skirt was like nothing to talk about. And now it's sexual harassment. You know, it's like all that kind of shit. No, I love that. That's fucking great. Dude, that's fucking great. Because it's so, um, that's so real. Okay, you're right. You're right. That's really funny. Is wait so gammon is that a first name? It's uh, no, it's a uh, gammon is a joint of ham. Oh, that's what a piece of ham ham is called. Yeah, okay. yeah, like a red faced <laughs> little gammons. Yeah, I mean that's hilarious. <laughs> no, you're right. Oh my god, yeah, totally. I'm picturing a boiled ham. Okay. <laughs> well, you guys, this was like a really. You don't even know what we've gone through. If you this have is no all you're idea. To, you have no idea the journey we've gone on today. I am literally. I came to this thing. Honestly, I might have been a little bit tipsy still from last night's blackout drinking or no sorry there was a blackout in LA and I'm, <laughs> so we drank to deal with the blackout and then here I am today like a little wobbly mm-hmm. Tiffany you're fucking incredible this was such a treat to watch the pay-per-view with you and then oh, also just to go through our normal stories I wonder if this episode's gonna be like 30 minutes <laughs> 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 it's all cut down but yeah, you guys, this is the 30 minutes you get. And we love you and we're so proud of you and we're thankful for you. And literally, I was kidding about Billy's cousin at the beginning. We do. And we shout out to Billy's cousin, too, though. But like, we do know you and we appreciate you. We love we're you not, so we're much. We're not being false. It was we appreciate you very much. Thank you for always sticking with us. We really do appreciate it. And soon we're going to put up some um, some voting on the trendies. Like, oh, we're yeah, definitely going to do that. We're going to do like a video episode. We're going to get all glammed up. It's going to be amazing. Aww. Billy's going to be here, so he's going to announce an award. And listen, if you as a listener want to like pre-record a, a, an award category or announcement, let us know. We would love to have you. Good call, Tiff. Yeah, we were talking about, you know, we're definitely going to have some uh, cameo super- superstars, I think, mm-hmm. in the mix. But we want to have you guys as well because um, we know you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Be safe. Don't, you know, do anything that's going to get you the DP. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Love ya. Seen a shawty that look like a double G. Every girl in here ten, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Double G's on the left, double G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like to fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the vine. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the center, now watch it hit the flow. Now rag it up, huh? rag, rag, rag it up, king, bag it up, huh? bag, bag, bag it up, king, stack it up, stack, stack, stack it up. She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas. And if I drop a pin. Best believe that she on the Thought way she was important, but I moved her right about the I'm way Delta cheese tonight Told her baby I got cheese tonight Get a scholarship I ain't smoking on no TAC Low tolerance All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow Like they tell her Shout out TurboTax, tax refund What's another bag? The quarterback at recess No rush You gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission No rush This ain't UT White shirt orange like a pumpkin Mama call me, ask me how college is I said bust
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.